Welcome to 10-Minute Bible Talks, where we connect the Bible to your life and the time it takes to get to work. I'm Tanya Wilmoth. How do you feel about retaliation, in general, or for yourself? Webster defines retaliation as the action of harming someone because they have harmed you. And retaliative behavior is described as revenge where a person perceives unfair treatment and attempts to restore the equilibrium by taking the matter into his or her own hands. Our world defines retaliation as normal. It's the theme of our day. If someone leaves you out, leave them out next time. If someone gives you the slip, be passive aggressive until they notice. If someone makes you uncomfortable, use the silent treatment to let them know. But this isn't what Jesus showed us in his birth, his ministry, even in his arrest. Jesus would define retaliation as completely unnecessary, even wrong. If we looked at the way he responded to the people who wanted to harm him, who did harm him in John chapter 18. Today, our big question for Jesus as we examine chapter 18 is why? Why, Jesus, should your followers not retaliate? Don't you think, if you were a disciple and one of your own was selling information about Jesus that would lead to his arrest and crucifixion for a few silver coins, you would want to retaliate? But when Jesus entered the garden with his disciples, Judas, who would betray him, was already there and knew that Jesus would arrive. See, Judas had prearranged a meeting of those who wanted to arrest him and Jesus. Verse 3 describes, So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? Wouldn't we ask Jesus, why give yourself over to harm instead of retaliating against Judas? We would want to exert our control over the situation, prevent the betrayal, prevent the humiliation. But Jesus, knowing all that would happen, arrived in the garden and gave himself over. In fact, scripture says Judas' betrayal happened so that what Jesus had spoken about could be fulfilled. Peter, for one, was right there and wanted to take control over the situation, so Jesus wasn't taken away so easily. Peter didn't fully understand that Jesus was calm because he was doing the will of the Father, and he had complete trust in his Father. Retaliation is a method of control. To get out in front of things that might lead to our betrayal or humiliation doesn't work for us. It actually works against making us more dependent on God and his plans for our life. But there's still more for Peter and for us to learn during this arrest. So let's keep digging and asking, Jesus, why don't we retaliate? What about destruction? When we retaliate, we leave collateral damage in our wake. Just look at Peter in this chapter. He reached out with his sword and cut off the ear of a servant named Malchus. What did that do relationally between the disciples and the Roman citizens? What did that do reputationally for Jesus and his followers? Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't do that. That's the way of the zealot. The path of destruction is not the way Jesus taught us to handle things. When we try to get back or get even, though, destruction of some sort is inevitable. Words of aggression and the silent treatment both create chasms in our relationships. It causes us and those on the other side to behave like wounded animals. Without repair, it even destroys relationships. Destruction is a devastating and inevitable side effect of retaliation, but it's still not the reason Jesus points to. So let's try again. 
Another thing we learn from Peter in this chapter is that retaliation is a mask for naivety. It is to assume that we are faultless ourselves. Peter's certainty about his unwavering love and devotion to Christ made him a fighter. But when push came to shove, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. The way John juxtaposes Peter's third denial with his pride is poignant. Listen in, John 18, 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. See, when we retaliate, we are harboring the naivety of our hearts that tells us we are less bad than we really are. We protect our character while we build a case against someone else's. I've heard the 80-20 rule. Even if you think someone else is completely responsible, be willing to accept 20% of the blame. And when you do that, you'll begin to realize you are the 80%. All of these are valid reasons to avoid retaliation. They're all good things to consider and good things to pass down to our children. But the primary reason we don't retaliate comes from Jesus in John 18, 36. Now let's set the stage. Consider Jesus is on trial and his accusers cannot find any actual charges against him. Also, the trial is conducted illegally. An insurrectionist is released so that Jesus can be held. And in the midst of all this, when Pilate asked, what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. As followers of Jesus, we don't retaliate because we belong to a different kingdom. In God's kingdom, things are turned upside down. Instead of being people who initiate retaliation, we are people capable of initiating reconciliation. Jesus took the initiative through his entire arrest and trial. When the soldiers came for him, he stepped forward and said, who is it you want? He all but encouraged them to go ahead and arrest him in order to protect his disciples. He told Peter to put his sword away in humble resolve to drink the cup the father had given him. Jesus took the initiative for our reconciliation all the way to the cross so we could be made right with our Holy Father. With whom do you need to initiate reconciliation today? Where do you need to lay down the sword and realize the truth about your own weaknesses and look past the weaknesses in others? It's possible to do this because you have received the ultimate reconciliation with God. Jesus rescued you from a life of protecting and fighting for yourself. He rescued you from bondage to yourself and your feelings and brought you into a kingdom of truth, light, acceptance, and freedom. Remember, your kingdom is no longer of this world. You live for a better king. You look forward to a better kingdom. If this podcast is helping you grow in your faith and you want more people to experience what you have, would you join our team? 10-Minute Bible Talks is a crowdfunded project. Even a monthly gift of $10 makes a huge difference. All gifts are tax deductible and it couldn't be easier. Just click on the link in the show notes.